0: this up we are technically live now but it's going to be a bit of a delay so we can have a bit of a chat about this
1: well it'll still come on regardless it's still going to come come on on. a bit later
0: it's still going to come on and we're still going to be talking to ourselves right (laughs) now but i can't add the details into the conversation just yet uh all right let's turn gallery view so everyone gets to see your pretty faces um Hey, guys, we are technically live on YouTube now, so we should probably start talking like we are live. Callum, your hair's a little bit out, mate. Do you want to just fix that up before we go any further or uh, <laughs>
2: looking pretty, pretty good? <laughs> disheveled up.
0: yeah. Um, we'll just turn your camera off, mate. All right, so <laughs> today we've got Jay Janice. Everyone knows who Jay Janice is. He's the backbone of BidPixel. Uh, myself, Dave Granfield. We've got Josh Osler, who is the brains behind all things website, funnel building lead attraction actually jay josh is probably the backbone of bidpixel yeah
3: yeah technical uh, mastermind we should we should
0: <laughs> and we've got callum who is one of the backbones of bidpixel who runs the day-to-day advertising on facebook and instagram for some of our best and greatest customers some of you a few we will talk a little bit about today so jay we're going to talk about the how to leverage contact details of your customers what's a bit of a synopsis on what we're going to cover today just based on the current economic and virus climate
1: um so talk a bit about customer lists what to do with them um, where to get them how to leverage them um, and just basically how to use them as number one as a communications tool to your customers that. Um, current customers, new customers, future customers um, and touch base on a few of those points.
0: Yeah, awesome. So Josh, someone that you know very well and we've had on our podcast episodes in the past is John Dwyer. What does he rant about and what's kind of the number, some of the industries that he talks about about customer acquisition and just how they aren't recording customer details very well?
3: Yeah, so I guess the, the big key takeaway from this is you need to uh, capture your your, uh, customers' contact details or prospective customers' contact details. That is kind of the key. There's so many different businesses that just don't. There's so many um, restaurants. Is a massive uh, industry, right? How many restaurants are there that, cool, they they might serve a couple of hundred people in a night, but how many contact details of those people do they actually gather so that they can follow up and actually market to again? About 0.01%. Um, I was just mentioning before that there are a couple, particularly some of the bigger chain stores. So like your uh, Hog's Breath Cafe. um, Like uh, there's another chain store called Rache's that does a pretty good job. Um, All of them still kind of have a higher barrier of entry where you do have to um, buy some type of, you know, membership so that you get 20% off your meals for the year or something like that. So it's still, it's still a higher barrier, but um, there's, there's just so much potential for restaurants if they were to capture contact details of people that they can, uh, yeah, that there's, yeah, they can just market on so many different platforms and get them back in. And particularly like in this in this season that we're going through, 99% of restaurants, if not 100%, are closed at least for dining in. Um, when they when this is all over and there is these big grand openings of all these things, everyone's going to be wanting to go out to restaurants, right? That's what's going to happen, but Um, The ones that are going to uh, win are the ones that are going to show the uh, grand opening, you know, events or, uh, you know, live music and whatever else that they're actually promoting uh, because they're actually going to be able to get that message to the people that they've collected the contact details of. So it's such a simple concept, but some industries, particularly restaurants, there's a bunch of others, but um, yeah, they just, they just neglect this for whatever reason.
0: Cool. So, Callum, what about some of the traditional businesses? Like we talked about one before we came on live now that was uh, direct grains. What's What kind of business are they and where does a repeat customer and where does a database of customers come into play for direct grains?
2: Yeah, so direct grain um, being cattle or livestock feed um, and getting that out and around Australia. Um, so, a repeat customer, obviously very important, like maybe an initial first-time customer could could be a little expensive, but the lifetime customer value of that sort of um, client um, and having a database of being able to continually sell um, and get feed and product and that sort of thing to those people, really important. Um, that's like the lifeblood of the business, really, having repeat customers. Yeah.
0: So it's repeat customers, but it's also maintaining that customer data, right? Like there's plenty of bricks and mortars or traditional businesses out there that their database of customers is a google spreadsheet or an offline excel spreadsheet and or some chicken scratchings in a notebook like we do a lot of business in the car dealership world and it's amazing that a car dealership has platforms that they're paying tens of thousands of dollars a year for to maintain customer databases yet there's old school sales guys that are using pieces of paper and pens and paper on their desk and that information never gets to the database where it should or you've got your junior sales guy who makes a note in his phone about that person and it never gets to the database and i think the big thing about never getting to the database is you don't have that power like you just said Callum, that you can't get back in front of those people right they've shown a high intent they've showed promise to purchase or act on something that you're selling or marketing and if you don't retain them or if you don't have a way to get back in touch with them it's a wasted exercise right so jay it's been one of your frustrations for the years of being in marketing is that we drive hundreds and hundreds of leads to someone's business whether if i be via email or a google sheet but they don't follow up on it what would you say is probably a good ballpark time frame of getting in front of a customer who has made an inquiry, how long should you wait or how long shouldn't you wait? And then how do you follow up with that person? What's some really simple ways to follow up with someone who's inquired with your business?
1: Uh, Timeframe, five minutes. So there was a Harvard business school review, which um, tracked it was based around the timeframe of getting an online lead and contacting them. And it talks about how quickly people drop off. And I think after 15 minutes, there's about a 20% drop off of potential conversion value. Um, so, and, and ideally within the first you know, five to 15 minutes. So you know, for any of our clients, when we send you a lead, get on the phone straight. As soon as that, that email arrives, give them a call then and there. Um, especially at the moment in the current climate where everything you know so many things are moving online um if i right now i've got i've got google chrome open in the background for for work stuff and i would have no less than 16 tabs open on my google chrome account
0: oh, you're cutting down at the moment mate yeah yeah but that's per, um, per window and you've got ten yeah, per, <laughs> windows open. that's yeah. right
1: <laughs> but but it, whenever like when i go and make a purchase i research and um Oh, me and Josh. Just before we came on live, I was talking about his speakers in the background, which I've got a, a similar pair, the Yamaha's. And I jumped on and I looked at Yamaha's. I looked at looked at Rockets. I looked at Evans and Adams and all these different brands. And I'd sit there in my office and I'd just search and I'd go from tab to tab to tab and manufacturer to manufacturer and make inquiries. And people are doing the same thing when someone's reaching out, um, you know, say to your business. You might be in childcare. And they want to inquire, they're also. I would, um, you know, i 80% sure that they're jumping on. They're looking at every other daycare in the area at the same time as you, you know, as they're looking at your daycare. So, if someone's inquiring, get back in touch with them. Data is king at the, especially at the moment. Um, follow up, follow up, follow up.
0: So Harvard University's come out and said anything after 15 minutes is you're really losing the attention span or you're really drastically reducing your chances of signing or talking to that person. Uh, we try and practice five minutes. If someone within the agency or if someone inquires with the agency through a contact form, it's mandated that we get back in front of them as quick as we can. And... I've got a builder uh eric uh i'm reaching out to him in an hour's time i originally talked to him on wednesday at 4 30 p.m he filled in an inquiry and within five minutes i had eric on the phone and had an hour conversation with him he was blown away by the fact that we were attentive enough to actually give him a call and i started that call with hey eric it's dave i don't really have to i don't have a lot of time right now but i just wanted to let you know that we've got your message and we'll be in contact shortly An hour and a half later, I actually got off the phone with him and I've got the call with him this afternoon to close his business and start working with him, right? He was blown away by the fact that that simple phone call of, hey, I just want to let you know that we've got your information, we're going to be giving you a call back. You could do that through an email, you could do that through a text message, you could do that through a quick phone call. But in the world of instant gratification and people surfing around online, not doing that could cost you that business real fast as they go to another Chrome tab and purchase from someone else.
1: Yeah, I don't think a lot of, I guess, sales, I guess some of the more traditional salesmen are realising that the level of instant gratification that people are purchasing with. Um, and and they're even aware of like, if you, you know, if you sell, if you're a car salesman and someone's made an inquiry on your website to look at a brand new Toyota Land Cruiser, there's every chance and every likelihood they're looking at the Toyota dealership in the next suburb as well, you know, or if you're looking for a used car, they're looking at every other used car dealership in the same town. The and and if they, and if you're not getting straight back in touch with them, they're on the phone to the next dealer and you're not only trying to win for that, you know, win that client and win that sale, you're now directly competing to open conversations that they're having with other salesmen.
0: Yeah. Totally true. So I think Facebook study, we've got a data sheet on this that we can maybe put in the description. Josh, can you make sure the girls put it in the description? Cause I'll forget. Uh, mm. But Facebook came out and said, I think that like you know, car shopping alone, there's, I think it was a bare minimum, eight different websites people are researching before they decide on a car. And Jay's right. Like they could go to every Toyota dealership. They, you know, we were just looking for a car for me and we were looking at dealerships in Melbourne when that, manufacturer has got a dealership a kilometer away and i was prepared to jump on a plane and go to melbourne for the right car and the right deal you need to be attentive to those people when they get to you because instant gratification is a big thing josh in your expertise mate the backbone of big pixel can you talk to us about (laughs) how and why you would gate your content or gate your contact information gathering and define tell me what a gating it is right because some people aren't going to know
3: so gating is, um, is, is basically give, having, having a bunch of value that you can give to someone, but having an exchange. So I'm happy to give you this, um, this guide that's actually genuinely really gonna help your business. Um, but in return, I just wanna get your contact details. So I might reach out to you, we can have a chat, see if there might be something we can do together, see if I can help you in any, in any other way. Um, so it is an exchange, um, businesses are in the business to make money. Um, and so to, to, uh, contact, you know, cold leads and try and warm them up a bit. That's the, that's the idea of the gated process. Now with what we do here at BidPixel and what a lot of other businesses try and do the the ones that really understand this concept properly is that there's different, different barriers of entry. Um, and that's for two reasons. Um, The first and main one is to understand the interests of the prospect so for example um, if someone comes to our website they might download a free resource which again it's totally free we just get their email address and so we can follow up and ask them if they got any questions about it um, whereas if they're trying to book a strategy session um, we're going to have a questionnaire with a couple of different particular questions about you know maybe their revenue um, what their goals are what marketing they've done in the past so that we can get a better understanding of their business and see if we're actually going to be a good fit for them but also make sure Sure that you know if they're a if they're a startup or someone with an idea in their head for a business, but you know don't actually have anything practical yet. Um, that we're not wasting hours and hours of our time in research and trying to help them if you know there isn't going to be a business relationship there. So that's one of the reasons why we do have those different gate levels.
0: So is gating gating content is it's still a transaction, right? Where we're looking to swap something of value for their contact details which are of value to us and if the consumer who is in this instant gratification bubble doesn't believe that that transaction is going to be fair or just they're not going to give you their contact details right or you're going to get a bogus phone number and email address so while gating contact details or gating content is fantastic to get it you need to make sure that that transaction is actually valuable for that consumer otherwise they're just not going to do it um Jay, can you tell us a little bit about Infamous Swim's gated content and how they did that discounting? Because we hate discounting on advertising. How did Infamous Swim do that over the Black Friday, Cyber Monday and what was the general idea of why they were doing it?
1: Yeah, so it was a great um, concept. And so as most people know, Black Friday, Cyber Monday and the whole Cyber Week is a ridiculous, it's just a crazy time of frontline stores where there's huge amounts of purchases a lot of sales happening a lot of promotional codes and discounts and all of that so so these guys jumped on that bandwagon and what they wanted to do was offer a very special discount but that discount was only available to their subscribers so if you wanted to, you know, I think it was 20% off or I can't quite remember well, they, the number.
0: No, that was like, they kind of started doing like a 12 days of Christmas almost. So yeah, like that's e- right. every day there was a massive deal. So someone had get something for free, they'd get free tote bags, they'd get a discount off their order, they'd win a holiday. Like every day was something different, right? It was, it was enough value to make that transaction happen.
1: Absolutely. And, but the way to get that was to jump on their website and sign up for their email, um, email list and become a subscriber. And then, as soon as you did that, you received an email with that current code or promo code or coupon, uh, which you could then use instantly. Uh, so it's a great way to build a list very quickly.
0: So I guess in the Facebook and Instagram and Google and YouTube advertising space, we generally try and take care of the funnel, right? We would, in that instance, we would be, or most businesses, we spend a lot of money on brand awareness and website traffic. And then we nurture them and educate them and put them through retargeting to get them to purchase. In that particular instance with infamous swim, we kind of cut out the remarketing, cut out the nurturing. And the number one goal for us was just to drive traffic to mm. that sign-up form. Right. And then the email sequence was what took over that. So Gemma from Infamous Swim paid to acquire that customer the first time and get them into the email list. But the beauty about that is now she's got a lifetime database of emails who are highly interested in her product and service. She doesn't have to pay to acquire them again, Um, which kind of segues into what I was about to ask you, Callum. Uh, Why is acquiring details once a lifetime accomplishment? You can pretty much just repeat what I just said.
2: (laughs) You only need to acquire it once.
0: So how do you have that conversation with customers on the Facebook advertising side of things, mate? Like you do have a couple of lead generation customers. What's, How does that conversation go and how do you educate a customer who's advertising on that the cost of acquisition at the front end can be a little bit higher if they sort out the back end?
2: Yeah, well, it's really just about looking at those numbers and... Whether you're looking at purely at the cost of that initial acquisition um, and that on its own might look scary um, per new customer, but obviously just having a quick look at the lifetime customer value of maybe some existing customers or just sort of running some figures um, over a bit of a timeline, it's pretty easy to see, especially depending on the business and even jumping back to direct grain, you can imagine that. If that was a little bit to get that initial customer, but you're talking like feed for entire farms, whether it's dairy farms or sheep or whatever it is, over the lifetime, that's worth so much to that business versus that what might initially look like a, a high cost per acquisition for that customer. But over the lifetime, it's huge. It's worth so much.
0: So let's talk a little bit. About daycare centers again we've got a few of those so the fees ongoing for daycare center throughout three or four years of retaining a a, a child at a daycare center like when we talk to these centers it's a it's a real conversation of what is that lifetime value of having a child in and then that lifetime value also factors in referrals if you've made a good customer experience they're going to refer someone else and also is there another child that's going to grow up and become a a a student or a a child at a daycare center. So suddenly the lifetime customer value in that daycare owner's head is exponentially bigger, right? So where they might've said to us, Oh, we, we only want to pay, you know, $20 to get a, to get a, a tour through the the daycare center, like, okay. So, what if you paid fifty dollars, but you got two children from that household? That family was really ecstatic about your service. They told three neighbors about it, then that went on to three neighbors and three neighbors, right? Like, paying fifty dollars at the front end to acquire that one child or that one experience is the true lifetime customer value, right? Um, Jay, childcare centers. Let's wrap this one up because it's actually nearly half an hour now. Oh wow. COVID-19, coronavirus, childcare centres, the government did just come out in Australia with some legislation changes yesterday over all of this and childcare centres are now allowed to just charge the bare minimum, which is the subsidies or the government subsidised rate, which means families are not really out of pocket anymore. But until that notification yesterday, a lot of childcare centres were seeing people just completely unenroll their children because Mm -hmm. they were locked down at home, right? Why would they be paying for their child to be enrolled when they can't even go? Because in Australia, if you're not lodging from here, you pay regardless of your kid's in there or not. What are you building out for Smartland Daycare Centre now, helping them with the foresight for that lifetime customer value in the future?
1: Yeah, so working on some uh, chatbots at the moment just in order to get contact details of people, you know, mums and dads or, you know, parents, carers, who, once this is all over, um, have children that are due to go to daycare. Um, or need to go to daycare for work purposes or whatever reason. So we're trying to right now, in the midst of all the current climate, is build up really strong lists of those people. Because people, like Dave said, you know, have started pulling their kids out of daycare. Some of them are just completely unenrolled. So there will be a little bit of a you know open slather on where these children get re-enrolled. Um, and you know, maybe not every childcare centre um, will be even be able to open again so the ones that have that foresight are really going to be able to capitalize on you know for lack of a better term on the current situation and get leads so they can fulfill that need um, in the months okay. ahead
0: so smart lads going out there now and farming their area right they've got four centers in australia they're going out there and farming that area knowing very well that they could potentially pick up families who never used to come to them they've got amazingly presented centers, a lot of them have been refurbished and they look great. Now's the time to get in front of these parents because they're building a database or building an audience of their prospect customers so that when the timing's right, they've got an on-tap list of people. Now, Smartland's doing that we're encouraging them to do it a little bit differently and a little bit creative. So their target audience is young mums, essentially, right? Young mums spend a heck of a lot of time, sorry for discriminating, but spend a heck of a lot of time on say Instagram, scrolling through Instagram accounts, looking at Instagram feeds. One of the big things about that demographic is they love sharing all those funny memes and the you no, know, the um you know, just silly things like st- Mum started oh, to drink at ten o'clock in the morning, and like they're they're sharing it, right? It's funny, it's humorous. They share it and they interact with each other and they tag each other in on it, and it's all those funny kind of mummy sort of memes that this smartland is now going to turn into a quiz or a questionnaire. So essentially it's going to become a questionnaire of what kind of mother are you, right? Like we've seen questionnaires for lead generation in the past. What kind of pizza are you? What type of pet are you? What type of onion are you? Let's turn it into the, what type of a mum are you, but let's make it memorable and shareable. And also as Josh was telling us, let's make it gated. So as they go through this chat bot, They're asked a series of funny questions. They're looking at different funny memes that are all shareable content. And at the end, to genuinely find out what kind of mummy they are in humor, they have to give up their details to find out what type of mummy they are. And with ManyChat and a chatbot, it's as seamless as clicking yes to a phone number, yes to an email address. That's it. They find out what type of mummy they are, but then the team are building on that a virality to share what kind of mummy they are on the back end of it and reshare the original post and get some virality about the advertising. So Smartland's going to spend a, a minimal amount of advertising dollars to get in front of their target audience, to engage their target audience how they like to be engaged, to gate the content, to get their details, then to sh- get them to share it organically and bring that lifetime customer value to a whole nother level, right? Acquire one and let it grow by itself.
1: one thing i like about that that's extremely powerful and i know several businesses looking into at the moment is um and one of one of our platforms that we've done as well where the power of having a list say use a daycare for example and say it goes viral and um and there's a bunch of people in punch bowl sydney that have responded but there's no daycare there how powerful is it to kind of actually say we've got 50 people who are currently really interested in attending one of our daycare centres that we don't even have in that area. Let's build one.
0: A uh, good start at ABC Learning when it was at what it was back in the day, you used to have teams that would just heat map Google map data and Google map information to find where there was a high concentration of the tem- demographic and where there was too many people for the centres that were there. So. Mm. This is a smart way of doing it, but you're also engaging that audience and that list that you're building. You can activate and turn on whenever you want through more paid acquisition or through emails or through SMSs or however you want to do it. Josh, any closing remarks, mate?
3: Um, just I guess really, yeah, yeah, live long and prosper. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Live long and prosper. No, 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 just just (laughs) going back, going back to the. Um, you know, getting contact details, like have a, have a think about like what, what type of business that you are, how can you actually start genuinely giving, uh, giving valuable content to your customers and to prospects so that you can actually capture their contact details so that when, you know, um, I know that you guys talked on the last uh, live, um, Jay, when you were walking through the shopping centres and every single shop, all the big ones, they're all just closed um, if they haven't even thought about an online presence because they're a and mortar store, um, you know, they're starting from ground zero. They're, they're starting with nothing. Um, so actually building up something that is not, um, you know, just purely on Facebook or just on Instagram or just on Pinterest or just on one platform. If you can capture email addresses and phone numbers and first names, that's kind of the holy trinity of being able to, um, yeah, to, to actually utilise them cross-platform. Alan. That's it.
2: Yeah, bangerang.
0: Awesome, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks, guys. Thanks for sharing this live with us. Um- If you've got any questions, comment below on YouTube. This video will go as a normal video once we've got off live. uh, I'm sure the team will syndicate it across Facebook and cut it up and use it on Instagram. So if you've got any questions about this, if you're in a business and you genuinely don't know how to navigate this period, or if any of this lead generation and gated content and getting back in front of a list, if it's all foreign for you, ask a question in the comments and we'll work through this with you and help you through it. We can always produce another piece of content which answers your questions directly and hey unashamedly if you think it's right for you if you own a daycare center or a grain business or a display home center or whatever you own and you know that you're not generating leads and nurturing them well enough where your man right where your man so reach out to us and we'd love to help you and talk you through that process thank you jay thank you josh thank you callum you are thank all you, Dave. you're all amazing thank you mate peace guys talk to you Thanks, soon have a